Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft. I am your co-host here, Jay Allen Cross, also known as Oregon Wood Witch here on Instagram. And I am Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagram. We are coming at you today from the past. So by the time you guys are listening to this, we are way past this. But this morning was the presidential inauguration of our new president, Joe Biden, which was exciting. I'm just happy it's not Trump. Biden has a lot to do, and I'm hoping that we stay the course. We have a lot of work to be done, and so we are hoping that will come through. Did anybody else notice the fact that Kamala showed up right at 11-11? I think that's kind of important. We'll throw that out there, but we'll see. Hopefully, by the time you guys are hearing this, the world is a much better place. So, Just... Slightly more peaceful, not having somebody being so antagonistic and violent uh, at the head of our country. Absolutely. Biden is not perfect, but oh, God, so much better. So much better. better. It's going to be an interesting transition. And I'm noticing like just in myself, in my own brain, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we don't have to deal with another four years of Trump. And like that's taking some time to settle in. Yeah, there's hope and there's a lightness to it. That's that's really important. And I think we're all feeling it across the nation right now, which is good. It, I'm, I am too thinking that the transition is going to be a little odd for a while. But I do, if, if I have anything at this point, it's just hope. Yes. In other news, you have had a very interesting development in your life the past few days. And uh, can you tell people about the major changes you've been making with your fashion? Right. Yes, y'all. After 35 years, I finally invested in a pair of sweatpants. Yes. She has (laughs) arrived. She has ascended. I I have finally arrived. I have finally ascended. I don't know what it is. I think it's like an Aries trait. My astrologer told me this when she looked at my chart. She's like, you're not a person who's very concerned with comfort and like luxuries. Like, you know what? You're right. So one thing that I have been working on this winter is really taking care of my home and my space and my comfort and Mm. like emphasizing that. And it has been a major game changer in how I approach like winter coziness and whatnot, because I struggle Mm. in the wintertime. I don't know about you. Do you struggle? I do. And for me, I think as Aries people, where we're such an intense, you know, cardinal fire sign, we really miss all that light and that heat and everything. So I find that, uh, you know, I do kind of the seasonal depression thing a little bit. But if I can be around fire, uh, it helps so much more. Like if I can build fires or like sit around a fire, it helps. Yes, that's my goal. When eventually I find my next house, I it's a must. I must have a fireplace. I love tending to fire. Yeah, something just about the light and the warmth really just kind of helps, I don't know, recharge that a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think too, especially during this time of winter where we don't get to see a lot of people, especially with COVID and everything happening. Someone the other day posted something, I believe it was Lola Venado on the Instagram, posted something along the lines that fire signs need um, need kindling. Yes, and the kindling comes from like people and loving kindness and gestures and things like that from those around us in order to produce the light and the warmth that we we ourselves kind of bring into the world as Aries people or as fire sign people. Yes, we do need a fire to tend to like in the literal sense, which is like really healthy for us, but also in the metaphorical sense. And that's what I've been doing this winter. And that's what buying sweatpants has done for me and changing my life is tending to that like inner fire and making sure I'm cozy and like comfortable because I will just ride out through most anything and just deal with the discomfort and just kind of be like numb to it in a way. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you are hardcore. I've always thought you and I are very much alike, but also out of the two of us, like you're the one that's going to actually live in the woods and like, wrestle a bear with your bare hands for your dinner like, yeah. <laughs> and then sleep on a plywood board just for the hell of it. 
So right. I'm very glad that you've joined us in sweatpant land. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do hope someday that I can, in a friendly, friendly way, wrestle a bear. It's one of my bucket list life goal things is I just want to have a rough snuggle with a bear. It'll be like Tiger King, but it'll be like Bear Queen. We'll just, Bear Queen. We'll, we'll just there'll be like a TLC uh, channel about you or a weird right. Netflix documentary. This woman wrestles yeah. bears. This woman wrestles and cuddles bears. What's new in your world? You know, right now, not a whole lot, to be honest. I am working doing the full-time witching as we are. Um, I'm also prepping for the book launch to be coming out. My book drops May 1st. I think this podcast will be out before then, so definitely pre-order it if you can. Uh, my book is American Brujeria, but that's exciting. So I've been doing that, and I have been working mm. on book two. So we'll <gasps> see. What? Book two? Let's see, yes. You it's- can't. You can't give us any spoilers, can you? I can't give you any spoilers, but I can tell you it is going to be completely different from the first one. I'm going with a completely different topic. A topic that I think is very, very necessary right now to discuss. And something that I think a lot of people is going to find very helpful. Because it's knowledge I've been trying to get out into the world. But there's it's it's hard when there's only one of me (laughs) trying to spread it to the entire world. So I'm hoping that if I put it all into a book and then send it out into the world, um, it will happen a lot faster than me doing workshops of 20, 30 people at a time. So, Right. Is it going to be your anti-glitter manifesto? <laughs> you, you know, that's actually book three I have planned for. That's, how, <laughs> that's where it's all going to start, is going to be book three. Book three is going to be saucy. I already have that one planned out, too, because I'm a Virgo, and we like lists, and so I have many lists and outlines well, I am so stoked for you. That's exciting, writing another book. Yeah, it's going to be good. And, you know, down that line of books I have planned, eventually I would like to do a book of home defense or protection magic because it, it is something that I really do love to practice. It's one of my most favorite types of magic. And it is today's topic that we are going to be discussing. It's home defense. Um, protecting your home. Yesterday we talked to, or not yesterday, last week we talked about personal protection, but now we're coming into actually the home protection part of it, which is really important because hexes aren't always just cast on us as people. They are often cast on our homes as well um, mm-hmm. and our families and our living situations or our businesses. So when we say, you know, home defense, this can also be business defense you know, any sort of space that you are are wanting to protect against that. Because a lot of different spaces, whether they're your home, your business, um, a place you like to vacation to, whatever it is, uh, these are all things that are pretty much hexable. The moon is not hexable, though Witch Talk will tell you differently. <laughs> we need to learn how to defend these places. So that's what we're bringing you today. Yes, you want to protect your sanctuary and the place that you live in. That's really, really important right next to personal protection, which we spoke about last week. Mm -hmm. And these two things go hand in hand because you have to remember, too, that when we do protection magic, protection magic has a bit of a consciousness to it. It has decisions it needs to make. It has um, things that it needs to take in consideration as well in order to really do the job you're requesting of it. So if we don't have personal protection in place, then our home protection has to work doubly as hard to protect Mm -hmm. us. Versus if we are at home and we ourselves are protected, then our house wards can take a bit of a rest, which can be nice. So you don't burn them out too quickly. You don't, you know, run them down as fast. So making sure that we do both is going to be very important because then they help one another. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So where should we begin with this discussion on home defense and home protection? Uh, you know, kind of like last week when we were talking uh, first about our, our own personal energetic immune system, um, our, our homes actually have something very similar. We, ha- we have two different sort of layers uh, of spirit protection because you have the, the spirit of the home. And then you have house spirits. And that sounds like I just said the same thing twice, but it's a little, it's a little different because you, you have the spirit of, you, of your home itself. You know, all things collect energy over time and given enough energy, 
they kind of create their own consciousness and, and become alive. And things mm-hmm. like our homes tend to be very old. They tend to be full of memories that kind of make the spirit. And a lot of people don't realize that the home itself has a consciousness to it. You know, it's built from things like wood and from stone and from all of this stuff that is very natural, has its own vibration, has its own consciousness. And then we fill mm-hmm. it with memory and energy. And this spirit, this home is protecting you at all times. It's protecting you from the weather, from the temperature, from, you know, uh, people you don't want to see. <laughs> I mean, it's protecting you from all kinds of stuff, you know, robbers, whatever. Um, and so taking time to really make friends with that spirit and talk to your home um, you know, and care for your home. So homes that are um, well-maintained, that are well-loved, that are uh, kept clean and organized and all this stuff are much less susceptible to things like hauntings and curses mm-hmm. and hexes and things like that than ones that are messy or neglected or not cared for. Um, those ones become much more susceptible to it. Yeah. One thing that I like to think about is like when you enter into somebody's home and you're like, wow, this has such a good vibe, like a nice cozy vibe. That's something to think about. And the other thing I was going to share was whenever I move into a new home, before I put anything in it, I do a walk around and I introduce myself to the house and I feel into it. And a lot of the times, the places that I have lived, there's been a residual depressive um, it's often erratic energy. It feels like the house has not received any recognition from the previous tenants. So oftentimes I'll go through and do a full home cleansing. I spray Florida water on the walls. I do a floor wash. I, or if there's carpet, I'll do a sprinkle on the carpet and vacuum that up and just like really set the tone the house to be like, hey, I'm here. Let's work together. Let's be in relationship with each other. That is beautiful. Absolutely. And I think that's really important to really have that time to get to know your space, introduce yourself to the home. Um, that's what I really love about watching uh, Marie Kondo do her work. She does the the organization. And I, I believe I read somewhere that she has a background in Shinto, which is um, a very kind of animism-based practice. And so whenever she starts, but before she just rushes in there and starts, you know, tearing stuff out and, you know, throwing stuff away, she introduces herself to the home and says Mm -hmm. hello. And I think that that's so beautiful and that's so important. And you're right, it just sets a tone for everything else. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, crap, I've already moved in and I definitely didn't do do that. It is not too late. (laughs) Yeah, not too late. late. Yeah, talk to your home, clean it, do whatever it is that you need to kind of make it um, to make it an ally in your mm-hmm. life. You know, your home is something that you should be working with. And I definitely tell people to talk to their home. You'll feel crazy and it's fine, but you can talk to your home. That does help. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I like to consider, too, is never speak ill on your home. Mm-hmm. Just don't talk shit on your house because mm-hmm. your house is providing you protection, shelter. And even if there are things about the house, like I have a, a tiny bit of a mold problem in my bathroom and I like take care of that and tend to it. And I'm in conversation with my landlords to get it taken care of. And even though that is a problem and irritating to deal with, I don't ever say to my home, oh, you're a piece of shit. Right. It's like if a friend of yours like got sick or, you know, they started growing something on themselves or whatever, you know, you wouldn't be like, you're terrible. I hate you. You'd be like, oh, no, let's fix this. Right. Right. You wouldn't be like, I'm done with you. Yeah. But then kind of then on the other side of that coin, too, we have as opposed to the spirit of the house, we have house spirits, which are slightly different. These are um, these are spirits that inhabit the home. They might be. Um, you know, deities or spirits that you work with that relate to the home and the hearth. St. Martha is one that tends to show up in kitchens and and homey places because she was definitely about the home and making the home and providing, you know, food and comfort and shelter and things like that in it. Hestia is another one. Yes, Hestia. She's wonderful. I love her statues so much. I saw one at Pantheacon and I'm like, who is this person? Yeah. Hecate is another one who may be looked over as a home guardian deity, um, especially doorways, which we will be talking about later. Doorways are really, really important. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Back in the day, there was a lot of Hecate statues found in the homes of um, you know ancient civilizations. I'm trying to remember specifically where I want to say Thrace, but I think that's wrong. Um, it's been a long time since I've studied anything Greek. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Hellenic period. Yes. Round in there. Yeah. So she comes up a lot, too, in this homework, which is great. And then your house spirits, too, can be also spirits that are simply dead humans that are very interested in you and what you're doing and want to inhabit your home. Um, As long as they're friendly, that tends to be fine. And they can also help to protect it. A lot of times, too, doing the paranormal work that I do, we find previous owners of the home or builders of the home that deeply loved it, that have decided Mm -hmm. to stay in the home. And those can also be powerful protectors and guardians of the home. Even if they're not specifically protecting you, they will protect your home, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how would we want to tend to house spirits? We would want to definitely feed them and care for them and kind of invite them in, right? Absolutely. I would just, because I'm, I'm always down to pairing things to their simplest fashion. I think definitely holding gratitude for them is huge. And also, you know, when we think of offerings and stuff like that, you know, people think of items or food or whatever, but offerings too can be things like maintenance and labor that you put into it to making sure that the house stays, you know, intact, you know, like you're talking about addressing the mold problem or uh, making sure it stays clean and doesn't get pests or things like that can also be acts of service and acts of offering and devotion to these spirits. Um, But I think too, just talking to them, it's huge. Acknowledging their existence is very empowering for them. Otherwise Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like, you know, if you were doing a job every day that nobody recognized you for, you know, you would, you would probably get sick of that pretty quick. But as long as we can kind of have that recognition, I think that's important too. Totally. I like to find objects that were left in the home. Like if I had just moved in, like I found a whole stack of rocks outside my front door. So that has acted as a bit of a ward and kind of like um, a focal point for house spirits and whatnot. Yeah, kind of like a, what do they call it? Like a cairn? A cairn. Yeah, where you put up all the the rocks and it's kind of a a monument Mm -hmm. or whatever to them. I like that. Yeah, and I also just like to erect little shrines around my house. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. A lot of the time it's just like a small bowl. And with a stone or something like that, and just kind of setting little wards around the house. Little things. And I like the, those natural wards, too. That kind of reminds me, too. There was one spell from a Scott Cunningham book. I believe it's the Earth, Air, Fire, and Water, where he talks about getting like either like a bowl or like a ceramic crock that you fill with pebbles and use that as a ward outside because it like weighs down the magic coming at you. And it kind of like grabs it and just kind of like grounds it down, um, Mm. which is really effective. People overlook just regular stones, just regular rocks um, as being powerful things, but they are incredibly powerful, even if they're not crystals or whatever it is. Working with just your garden variety rock, I mean, literally garden variety, um, can be very powerful with that, especially when they have meaning like the ones that you have, too. Yeah, the ones that you find around the house. I also like to, I found a, I was digging through the soil and I found a beluga whale little figurine. So I know. <laughs> so I keep this little beluga whale as like somewhat of a symbol of the house spirit. And I uh, always think of like, yeah, this big beluga whale and like think of family and community and connections and whatnot. Little treasures that the house has little kind treasures. of accumulated over the years. Yeah. And hidden away for me to find. One time we were... <laughs> My sister's room in the house we were growing up was always super cold. So one day they decided they were going to redo the insulation in it. And so we tore out all the interior walls and exposed kind of like the inside of the walls. First of all, there was no insulation in it at all. But someone had stuck like pantyhose in around the the window for like insulation. And there was like a really old bag of flour from like the 40s or something like that just sitting in there. So things find in walls things that you find in chimneys too can be really interesting especially in old homes and these are just things that the houses have accumulated right 
A really good friend of mine here in town um, bought a house like a year ago and began doing renovation work because it was a pretty ratty old house and they were renovating. And as they pulled away the plaster on the walls, they realized the home was built out of old railroad ties. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this house was built in like 1900. So there wouldn't have been cars around for them to haul these railroad ties. And my friend was trying to like, think about where the nearest, because these were like mining railroad ties. They weren't for like a car, like a a giant freight train. Yeah. So they're like smaller and shorter Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of mining in the area that I live in. And they were like guesstimating. They were like, yeah, they would have had to have drove a horse 20 miles outside of town, picked up the railroad ties, dragged it all the way back. And built the house that way. And it seems like the house was built out of like a sense of desperation. If you were utilizing that kind of material. The other thing they said was that whoever built the house had to have been drunk because (laughs) so much is like off kilter. I love that. But those are all the things that really kind of build that spirit of your home. Um, I So mm-hmm. I grew up right near where Britain lives now. So we have a lot of kind of geographic stuff in common. Um, the home that I grew up in, the, the, the same one where we found all that stuff in, um, there was a section through the middle portion of the house where the ceiling was considerably lower than the rest of the house. So like through like the kitchen in my bedroom was really low and then everything built around it the ceiling was a lot higher by at least like mm-hmm. a foot and a half um and we were always just kind of like what whatever you know that's kind of odd but moving on we found out later that a lot of the houses during that time started off as railroad cars whoa that were built onto and so that section that middle section of the house was the railroad car and then everything else around it. That's why the ceiling was higher was because it was built onto a a railroad car. Wow. That's fascinating. So there's like, to me, if a home was built with like a railroad car, there's like a sense of movement to it. Or Mm -hmm. like, even though it's like a fixed house, there is like this sense of like movement and or motion rattle to it or like a, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are all things that can really influence the spirit of your home or the spirits that come with it as well. You know, knowing the the history of your home, all those things can really be helpful in providing that protection to you or at least understanding, you know, the home around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also a friend of mine, um, their mother bought a home in, I think, around Brownsville. It's on the Willamette's it's in the Willamette Valley side of Oregon and their house had several additions built onto it, but the primary center of the home had been the meeting house for the whole town. It was like the, the meeting hall uh, when the town had just been built. So there was tons and tons of old history in this house, but somebody had been murdered in that home as well Mm -hmm. um, way back in the day. So I think that's something else to consider is like what sort of deaths And things like that have transpired in the home that may leave a residual effect that you may have to deal with later. Absolutely. Because, I mean, everything from that murder could have an effect on the home, whether just a stain on the energy or an actual haunting. And even the fact that it was a meeting place, Mm -hmm. that repetition of people gathering in the home over and over again can kind of ingrain itself into the energy of your home. And then that's when we get something called a residual haunting, which is when an event that was either repeated over and over again, or was so traumatic that it kind of gets stuck into the energy and then gets replayed like a movie projection over and over again, um, which are, which is a very common type of haunting that we run into and can definitely affect your home as well. Wow. That's fascinating. I love learning about this haunting business since I don't know very much about it, to be honest with you. We might have to do an episode on it. It's it's yes. a weird field for sure. Absolutely. Um, We'll have to do that, but that would be good. One of the other things that we wanted to talk about too was um, kind of some thresholds or entrances of your home, because if your home is going to be attacked um, or the inhabitants of your home is going to be attacked, it's going to need to enter your home. You know, Mm -hmm. people who are working magic against you 
are pretty much the energetic or spiritual equivalent of intruders. And so there are certain areas in the home that we need to focus on the most. And I think the first and foremost, kind of most important one is going to be your front door. Yep. The door you go in and out of the most. Yes, that that is a good point, too, because a lot of times whenever I say something like a front door, people automatically ask, like, well, which one's my front door? Because, like, you know, we have the one that faces the street, but my family comes in this side the most or things like Mm -hmm. that. And I think it depends on the house. And I think it depends on kind of your path, too, because like in feng shui, you would use the door that's closest to where your house numbers are. But I think for this purpose, I, I'm with you that kind of the, the door you use the most to come into mm-hmm. your home. Right. Yeah, I have so many friends that don't use their front door. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, those <laughs> ones are rarely open. So you want to go for the one that's open the most, the one that has the most traffic coming in and out of it. That's going to be a really important one. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to your front door, you can do all kinds of things to protect that area. You know, not only is that going to be an area that you want to um, set your wards most prominently is going to be around the front door. But one of the ways that I really like to work with the front door is doing a wash on it. Wonderful. Depends on what it is. Like if I'm trying to keep away, like, you know, the Rona or whatever, I'll, I'll use just like a real nasty, like garlic concoction in the water that's just stinky as all hell um and i'll use that to wash it down or if i'm like you know what we need to protect against some spells or whatever i'll use like rue like like a rue infusion to wash it with Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that's really easy that not not only kind of helps to kind of cleanse that area where you enter your home um, but also to protect it as well Mm -hmm. now i'm sure somebody out there is going to be wondering this do you wash the front and back or do you just wash the front or does it depend? Um, it kind of depends. Normally, I just wash the front unless I'm like really meaning business. And then I'll do both sides. Okay. Um, what I tend to do the most is I will wash the front of it and like the the frame around it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll also scrub the, the, the stoop or the kind of the path leading out from my door um, towards mm-hmm. the street to kind of have it kind of push that direction kind of out and away from my door. Right. And then from inside, like what I would think to do next would be to do like definitely wash it down, maybe some Florida water Mm -hmm. and then do like home blessing. Like I have a home blessing oil that I love to use and or fiery wall of protection. Like that's one of my favorites for doorways and entrances and Mm -hmm. any home protection fiery wall because I want my protection to have a bite to it. Yes, I think that's really important, too. So when we're talking about, you know, putting together our magic and our wards and things like that to protect our home, you know, taking into consideration, do you do you want it to just block an attack or do you want it to bite back? Because for me personally, that's kind of the difference between having a brick wall or an electric fence. Like I I would personally like to have both (laughs) when it comes to it. But that electric fence is going to be really important because if someone is going to be testing your boundaries, testing your home for weak points, I want them to only test it once Mm -hmm. and then never come back again. So I always think my protection is is very bitey because I don't want to give them that time to kind of skulk around. Mm -hmm. For sure. Love some fiery wall of protection. So what are some other, there are so many entrances into the home and it's probably some, some entrances that we aren't even thinking of. What are some other spaces? Windows would be next, right? Windows, um, kind of like your secondary entrances would be things like windows and your chimney. And what's interesting is back in the day, they had all kinds of ways of kind of protecting against witchcraft that were built into your home. So there, there's, um, I think on the East Coast, there's a thing called like a witch window where they're tilted slightly because there, there's all this lore that like witches and evil spirits and stuff like that can only go in like either straight lines or they can't back up or things like that. So if the window is tilted, they can't come in through it. Interesting. Um, and then some chimneys too would have something called a witch's twist where the chimney's coming down straight and then it has a weird kind of a twist in it essentially. And that's right. supposed to prevent um, witches or their magic from coming through the chimney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it would be like, if you're really thinking about a witch coming down your chimney, (laughs) 
that would be kind of a tight squeeze to have to move through like that little kink in the pipe. Indeed. And I think there was kind of a also practical use for it as well, but they, they usually called it a, a witch's twist, um, which is interesting. But yeah, so these are places too where things can enter into. So we need to be watching, you know, our windows, you can place wards in your window or like what Britain was talking about placing um, or using the fiery wall of protection around them, um, which is going to be helpful. I like to also set cloves of garlic in the window. Yes. Um, or uh, chili peppers. Ooh, yes. Yes. That's one I thing them. I like to do is a garland of chili peppers outside my front door. Mm, I like that. That is good. Cause chili peppers too. Cause again, kind of like that fiery aspect, they're not only going to kind of like ward things away, but also they're going to have that real bitey, stingy sort of protection to them. Little and, to it. and both of them are sacred to St. Michael as well. Who's very protective. So chili peppers, um, garlic, Angelica, things like that are all sacred to St. Michael. Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they use them a lot in the, the Italian folk magic. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what about plumbing? Yes. Plumbing. That I would have never thought about plumbing. It kind of depends on what your situation is like. Because, I mean, if you're just kind of doing general protection of your home, you know, your front door, you know, your doorways, your windows, things like that, it's pretty much all that you need. But if someone's really coming at you, then we need to batten down the hatches. And kind of what we were talking about earlier about, you know, stressing your wards too much. Um, We don't want to lock down the home too much because then that's so much energy that is being expended. So for the most part, things like your, your plumbing, your electrical outlets, your, you know, you know, holes in the home that may be created by like, you know, pests, you know, mice or whatever are things that we don't generally have to worry about unless we know, you know, it's DEFCON 5, someone's coming after you, um, then is a time to really worry about those ones. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't be too concerned about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. And then we have cracks and like pests, like pests, like mouse holes. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Those little ones too, you know, stuff can really sneak in wherever there's an opening. So just kind of being mindful and knowing your home too, you know, where do you have openings and making sure to then, of course, you were talking earlier about doing that necessary maintenance to care for the home so that there isn't holes and cracks and things like that in your house where the stuff can get through. Um, right. It's really important. Yeah. So if you do have like a pest hole or a crack or somewhere in your home, you might stuff a little rue in there. Mm-hmm. Or even like bay leaves to me are like super all purpose. I love bay leaf so much. You might stick a little bay leaf in there and you can write on them and write like a little protective note. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you bring up bay leaves too, because this is something I wasn't even actually thinking of when we came on here. So when it comes to home defense, I guess it's not always necessarily against other witches. There's a whole sect of magic that protects your home against lightning strikes so mm-hmm. A in the home was said to do that for places. Now, now this is this is a hard one, but if I have someone who is facing domestic violence and they need a little more time before they can get out of the home, I will give them magnolia seed pods. Interesting. That have been wrapped in red thread um, as kind of a ward in the home against that. Now, of course, if you are facing domestic violence, do not rely on this. Please do seek help and get out if you're able to. Um, but if, if they just need a couple more days or whatever it is, and they need something to cover them during that time, um, mm-hmm. that is something that I will give them as well. But yeah, hanging wards, things like that. You can put those things in chimneys too, because it was said that, you know, the spells would come down through the chimneys. It's, it's very old school to put things up in your chimney to protect against that, whether it's like an old boot or um, witch jars were, would be put up there or, I have another book. I'm trying to remember the charm, but it was a, I believe it was like a chicken heart full of pins and needles that you would hang up in the flu that would Ooh. reverse all magic that was sent to you. I'll have to find that book. Oh, that sounds powerful. Yeah, that was interesting. So there's a lot of old, old kind of folk uh, techniques for protecting in that manner, which is good. 
I think one entrance we're forgetting about is the back door. Yes. Yes. The back door is also very important. Yes. Back door is very important um, because that stuff will, will sneak in through every doorway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're doing like a home cleansing, which I think cleansing is like the preface to protection. So you want to do a cleansing before you start laying down protection And when you're cleaning your home, I like to go from front to back Mm. and then from back to front. Is that the correct direction? (laughs) Maybe Uh, I may have said that backwards. I always go backwards. So if I'm cleansing, I go from back to front to send it out of the home. And if I'm bringing something in like love or protection, then I'll do from front to back. Back. Right. Yeah. Okay. You said it right. Thank you. My brain is not the best functioning right now. And that's You're doing okay. great. <laughs> great. Those ones, I always mix that stuff up too. But yeah, that's an important thing for people to uh, kind of take into consideration is, is the directions of things like you know, cleaning, cleansing, uh, protecting, stuff like that. Our, our directions can be important because not only is it things like um, going from back to front or front to back, but also things like um, clockwise to bring stuff in versus counterclockwise to send things away. Um, those are all things to take into consideration when you're doing both cleansing and protecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I do a like cleansing in my home, I'll open up or well, first I will smoke my house with like um, big sage, not white sage, or I'll use cedar and I will smoke box, like hot box my house. And then I open up and I do it counterclockwise. And then I open up all my windows and then I start getting a little excited. I'll be like, you know, just like get the fuck out get out of my house. <laughs> You're all gone. And then I sprinkle salt in my windows and around my door doorway and like shut it all up. Yeah. I think that's perfect. I have a friend, she does like sound cleansing around that time when you're talking about getting excited, but she has, you know, people like to do sound cleansing with things like singing bowls and, you know, right. wind chimes. She's got an old rusty cowbell that she's just like, get the fuck out my house. Uh, and I, I love that. <laughs> I think that really works. That's a uh, also a Scottish tradition around the new year. Oh. Folks will get like all their spoons in pots and like rattle them around the house to scare off any negative spirits. Oh, I love that. A big bunch of clinging, a clanging noise. It doesn't have to be like it could totally be a beautiful singing bowl. But to me, yeah. that almost feels like you're bringing in positive energy. And if you want to, like, push out bad energy, you're going to be using, like, your pots and pans to, like, scare something away. Yeah, I want to startle it. I want it I want it to get moving real quick. I'm just chasing the devil out of my home. Yeah. So do we want to talk about getting into good cleansing and protection routines and what that would look like? Totally. Absolutely. Because a lot of times I think people overthink this or they mm-hmm. try and commit um and it, it kind of again it depends on who you are like if, if you are a public witch then you are you know like you and i we have to focus on cleansing and, and warding a lot more than your everyday folks mm-hmm. um but if you're just like a normal person just living your life you know you can cleanse sometimes once a year you know or yep. you know once a month or maybe you know once every six months or whatever it is Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be a daily thing. You know, you, there, there can be small daily cleansing things that you do, but I, f- I feel like a lot of people don't take up a cleansing routine because they feel like it has to be every day, you know, they have to do something, um, mm-hmm. which is not always necessary, but you know, right. I, I pick a day of the week. Saturdays are great. Do it mm-hmm. Saturday. And yeah, pick a day of the week. You can also, If you're worried about doing like a big cleansing and like a big protection once a year, you can also just work it into your using air quotes here, mundane life. So Mm -hmm. if you're like sweeping your floors, that's a magical act, like big time magic, it's floor sweeping. So you can do like an herb sprinkle. I'm thinking of like rue and basil. You can sprinkle that on the floor Mm -hmm. and sweep it out the back door or just sweep it out and toss it in the trash but sweeping doing the dishes cleaning your bathroom just organizing your house can be a magical act and you can like work that into what you might consider mundane absolutely i actually make my own cleaning solution that is kind of magical in and of itself but also serves a mundane purpose as well 
So what I do is I get like one of those big old jugs of the white vinegar and mm. you have to pour some out to make a little bit of room, but I put in like rosemary sprigs into it and I put some rue into it and I get like, uh, like two lemons and I put their peels in it and their juice in it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I like to take, uh, peppermint Dr. Bronner's mm-hmm. yeah. and then I will, cause you're supposed to dilute, dilute as it says on the package, <laughs> I dilute it with a tea. And in the tea, I will put rosemary, rue, angelica, or just whatever I'm feeling. It Uh, changes frequently. And I make that into like, yeah, just like an all-purpose home cleaner. And peppermint, by the way, is protective. So uh, you can use things like Dr. Bronner's. Um, Pine salt is also very popular to use in home cleansing. And like stuff with lemony scents. But I love Dr. Bronner's. It just smells so good. It does. I love that too. Cause it is kind of that very high vibe sort of very, very cleansing, very clearing, you know, it clears up your sinuses and everything wakes you right on up. Um, yeah. And I, you bring up kind of the pine salt or like the lemon scented things. So a lot of the times when we work with things that are, that are lemony, not only is that going to be good at cutting through kind of negative energy too, but the lemons and lemongrass and things of that variety, um, tend to be very lucky as well. So they pull double mm-hmm. duty. And if you get things that are kind of citronella based, citronella creates a, a barrier against, you know, nasty things coming in. It's kind of the same function or reason why we burn things like citronella candles to keep away mosquitoes and other pests and things like that, because it's very good at that. Um, and that's why it also kind of tends to be added into your general Van Van oil recipes, why you have citronella in there. It can be very overpowering though. Um, but you can just yeah. use a regular citronella candle like in your home to protect it. It might get stanky, so maybe put it outside. But um, right. but those those are things to, to consider as well. It'll keep those uh, pesky blood suckers away too on top of it. Yes, thank God. Videos. Another thing that I was thinking of is Chinese floor wash, which is used in African-American conjure and hoodoo or root work. Mm-hmm. And Chinese floor wash is also a great all-purpose cleaner that you can use to cleanse and protect and also just like bring in really good vibes into your home. And I like to, I'll make these crazy concoctions of like Dr. Bronner's, I add a little bit of Chinese floor wash to it and then brew a tea and add that and the pinch of salt. <laughs> I love that. Mine's always like holy water and fabuloso. So you gotta, <laughs> right. I love that, that sort of that mundane meets magical, because, you know, when we're working all this work into kind of a daily practice, it shouldn't have to feel like something that you're doing on top of what you already have to do. It's about working it into the things that you're already doing, which makes it so much easier. Yeah. So just go to the grocery store and look for an all-purpose cleaner that you can buy there instead of like... It's great to support small businesses online, but if you're like in a pinch and you need something immediately, like I had to use some ammonia for a spell not too long ago. I went all over town looking for a bottle of ammonia. It was so hard to find, especially this time of year with COVID times and whatnot. And I went to the hardware store of all places. I thought it would just be at the grocery store and I bought the last bottle. Oh my God. I know. I was like, everybody's doing magic. It took me forever to find borax the other day because I'm, I'm preserving some animal parts right now. Um, but no, it took me forever to find borax. And the one thing that they don't sell around here, which I'm really kind of surprised because we're very rural, is I can't find Creolina in stores here anywhere. Interesting. Yeah, and that one's one. It's very similar to ammonia. Um, it's it's black. It's known as what's it's known as a tar water. So mm-hmm. it's very basic it's very basic and that's why it's such a good cleaner but it's super stinky it will burn you if you get it on you um it's used as kind of like a deodorizer um very similar in function to ammonia but you can put just like a little capful of that in your floor wash and it will remove um evil spirits from your home make sure to get in all the corners because those things will hide they will mm-hmm. absolutely hide um so you can do that with, uh, with Creolina too. Um, so your, your everyday kind of household cleaning stuff can actually be very, very useful. And that's why kind of folk magic is so utilitarian. It's because right. it's just whatever's in the, you know, under the sink at this time. Yeah. Don't overlook what's under your sink right now. Like utilize what you have, that vinegar, 
that pine saw, that Dr. Bronner's, it's all magic. Though, though that being said, um, I have seen some really unfortunate things in witch groups on social media where people are mixing things without knowing about them and then creating like chlorine gas bombs and almost killing themselves. So like, don't mix things like bleach with other things or ammonia with other things without knowing exactly what you are doing. Someone the other day posted that they had made like a witch jar that they had put like bleach into and ammonia into. And I'm like, how are you still alive? So (laughs) these are things that should be used in very, very, very small quantities in the right way. So definitely do your research, know the chemistry before you start mixing some of these together. Um, Because it's getting Darwinian out here with this witchcraft. Oh my God. Yeah. The whole time Jay was saying all of that, my jaw was just wide open. I was like, what? You're making a bomb. Yeah. Like, no, that's how you die, people. Let's Let's not do that. Right. Yeah. Especially when you're using those like strong solutions like bleach and ammonia. Those two are really like Super fucking potent stuff. So be careful with it. Absolutely. So what is the importance of cleanliness? Like, do we want to talk about why that's important to keep your house clean? Because in an earlier episode, I don't remember which episode it was, but we were talking about altars or no, it was our class. We Mm -hmm. were talking about doing spirit work and keeping our altars clean and how you'd use the term it like when things aren't clean, it creates like a hot environment. Yeah. So it's so when we're talking about like altars specifically, you always want your altars to be energetically cool. And I don't mean that they have a cool temperature, but I mean it in an energetic fashion. And the reason for that is because cool energies and cool altars will bring forth good spirits, things like your ancestors, holy spirits, things like that. If your altar gets too hot. Um, it will attract negative things. It will it will attract de- uh, kind of demonic type things or other kind of negative entities. And things that will make your altar hot are things like um, urine, feces, uh, you know, other sexual or bodily fluids, hot color decorations, um, you know, just mess. Things like stale offerings or dead flowers are, are considered very hot. Um, and they will they will attract those things. Now, of course it's a cumulative effect. So if you have something red on your altar, the devil is not going to come and get you. Um, but you know, if you have something red on your altar and your, your ancestor flowers are dead and rotting for a week now, and your cat has peed on your altar. Yeah. You're going to have a hot altar that you need to take care of. And so you need to cool it down with things like Florida water and prayer and um, you know, these very cooling energies that we can bring in. And the same Mm -hmm. thing with your home too. So when we have a home and we were talking about, you know, getting into the corners because this stuff will hide um, evil spirits, bad spells, all this stuff will hide in the mess. So Mm -hmm. if you're trying to, you know, burn, you know, cleansing incense in your home to get rid of evil spirits, but it's an absolute mess, you're not going to get very far because they're just going to hide. And then it's not going to do much for you. So that's why kind of the mundane cleaning Uh, is so important. And then if we could just roll into magic, then there you go. There you go. Yeah, I like to think of all the places that I might hide in a house and make sure that if I'm smoking my home, because I really love using smoke to help cleanse my home, I'll take like a fan Mm. or something to move the smoke around and I will open up all my cabinets, all of my closets Mm. and make sure that smoke gets in there too. Yeah, get in all those cracks and crevices. Don't forget about them. Yep, under beds, all that stuff. So we want to talk about warding the home. Yes. Do you do you have a fave method or, or one that you just absolutely love? Right now, uh, I have, and I love it because it's so simple and it's also beautiful. My little ward is a evil eye bead, a string of them that I hang in my front window, which is right next to my door. So my giant front window also acts as like part of like my front home defense. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my little wards. I also like to, and maybe this isn't, would this be considered warding? I like to turn mirrors facing out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Deflect things. That's especially good if you are perceiving or expecting the potential attack from somebody, it'll like bounce off or be deflected. Totally. I love that. Yeah, I'll wash mirrors with things like Rue um, for that, just to kind of give it that extra sort of reflective power, that extra reversal power. 
And I like to, you're talking about hanging wards and, you know, wards can be, they can be set on the ground. They can be all kinds of stuff. I really like hanging wards because they can communicate with you where if they fall or if they break, um, it's a sign that they've been used up and need to be replaced. Mm -hmm. You have a really beautiful hanging contraption (laughs) in front of your house. I do. I, I am a huge fan of a hanging ward and when we get a house, uh, my, my husband is an interior designer. So I have told him he can decorate the inside of our house however we want. However, the porch is mine. I love all kinds of dangly, protective things. But at this point, I have so many of them. I, I don't know which ones are actually active anymore. I just keep right. adding them. So I just have just too many. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I love a good hanging ward. Yeah, I used to keep and it's kind of a creepy one too. So it'll like scare people away from your house is um, I would hang a bat nut. So a, yeah. a bat nut looks very uh, demonic. It looks like a little devil. It's really cute in my opinion. But you can um, poke a hole through it and string it up and hang that by your front door. And that's protective. That's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, bat nuts and other types of you know, plants or things like that that we can set up are going to be really important too. And that can be either something that, you know, you've hung up these plants to dry and just their sheer presence can be very protective. Um, I know somebody who I'm hoping to have on the show soon who hung up stems of roses with the thorns from their ceiling in their home um, when they were experiencing a haunting and it protected them and removed the haunting. Wow, that's beautiful. So you can use like thorny plants too. Um, You can use poisonous plants. Just again, you know, be very mindful if you have pets, small children, things like that. If you're going to hang bundles of poisonous plants, um, they're very good at not only defending, but also sending back and reversing evil spells. Um, Those ones are good to use as well. Yeah, just making sure they're definitely out of reach from little, little persons and pets. My dog... She loves to get into all sorts of things. She's, all the things. <laughs> yeah, she recently ate a couple of pieces from my bone throwing set. So we're, uh, yeah. <laughs> we need you to do that bone throwing workshop too. Yes, I, that's in the works. Hopefully soon I'll be doing a bone throwing workshop. But, you know, I'm going to be real with you. I have never made a witch bottle. You haven't? I haven't. I know I'm a bad witch. Oh, that's witchcraft 101. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, let's end with with witch jars. Right. Yeah. And you know what? There's one other thing that I would love to add in there is railroad spikes. Yes, absolutely. Railroad spikes are very, very helpful in this work. So could since I'm a witch bottle noob and just outed myself, what exactly would go into a witch bottle? So a witch bottle, we have to remember first and foremost that a witch bottle is something that we call a decoy charm. And what that means is we end up putting a lot of ourselves and our own kind of essence into the jar, um, which we'll talk about in just a second, in order for anything that's coming to find us, we'll then find the bottle instead. Um, So when we make a witch bottle or a witch jar, it can be either way. You just need a container that can be closed. Um, preferably glass as well. What you're going to want to put into it is you're going to put in a bunch of nasty, pointy things. Um, This can be, uh, you know, favorites or things like nails, pins and needles, tacks, razor blades, um, whatever it is that you have in your junk drawer that's going to be pointy um, is going to be what you're going to want to use. You can also then use plant allies as well. Things like uh, poisonous plants are really nice. I like to put some nightshade in it. You can also use things like rue as well that are very protective. And then you want some sort of a liquid as well. And so the idea kind of at its core is that the sharps kind of impale the evil, the liquid kind of drowns the evil and then whatever plant that you've put in then um, sends it far, far away. So it kind of mm-hmm. like traps, fucks it up and then ejects it essentially mm-hmm. is the idea. Um, now people will tell you things like, Oh, like, you know, you should use wine, vinegar or stale beer, anything like that, because people are really, really trying to avoid peeing in a jar. Right. Pee on it. 
pee on it, pee on it, pee in it, pee around it, you cannot go wrong because that's going to be a really important part because not only is urine very powerful, um, you know, it has kind of that ammonia in it that we're talking about, you know, urine contains all kinds of different chemicals in it that are very protective. It's also going to have your essence in it. So something that's looking for your energetic signature is then going to find this bottle and really wish that it hadn't. So I always, always recommend that people go all the way and pee into the jar. Um, yes. That's really important. If you have vinegar, you can use vinegar. It's just not going to be the same. And I believe with vinegar, you do run the risk of your jar just exploding because vinegar will kind of ferment. Um, but yeah, so that, that's how you're going to do. I also recommend too that if you have nail clippings or if you have hair that you want to put in, you can do that. Um, my people who bleed monthly, you know, throwing in things like those hygiene products that have been used, you can stuff those as well into it. Very, very powerful to kind of get that, that sort of blood into it because that's going to just increase that energetic signature that they're looking for. And both of those things, blood and urine are so profusely dominating that when something, whether it's a spirit or someone else's magical attack is coming at you, it's kind of the full force of your essence, then just clamping down on it. And really kind of then manhandling it from there. Right. That was the one thing that I knew about the witch bottle was that you want to use urine. You want to pee on it. You want to pee on it. You really do. Don't be afraid. It's sterile to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like your pee's not going to hurt you. And it's not really that gross when you think about it. <laughs> like to me, it's not. When I lived in this yurt in the woods, I didn't have, a, there wasn't even an outdoor toilet around the yurt. And in the wintertime, I peed in jars and honestly I peed in jars so often and I had like jars of pee in my room. I know that probably sounds so gross, (laughs) but it's true. And it's also just part of your life. I wanted to create a zine about my pee jars and give them personalities and everything. But I realized like I kind of had witch, witch bottles all over my room. I mean, I wasn't like, okay, that does sound a little gross. I wasn't like collecting them, but it was just like, <laughs> it was just a part of life living in the yurt. And like, I had two other yurt mates, um, uh, like who lived in like the same similar unit as me across the way from me. And we all talked about our pee jars. It was just like a part of yurt life. But yeah, putting pee in it. That's, that's the p- powerful shit. Yeah. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's when we have to ask ourselves, like, why are we here? If you, you know, this is witchcraft. If you can't pee in a jar, like, are you sure you want to be here? You know, we got to really kind of separate. I was going to say the men from the boys, but that seems gendered binary. But the uh, we'll figure out a different one for that. But, you know, right. The child's play from the real play. Yes. Yes. This is when the cauldron gets hot. So what other folk charms would one use for home protection? I want to talk about railroad spikes for just a second. Absolutely. And I know you have stuff to share about railroad spikes as well, because I've seen you posting about rail- railroad things in general on your Instagram feed. A friend of mine recently gifted me, and it was like the perfect witch gift. Bring me roadkill and bring me railroad spikes. Bring me all the <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> so a friend of mine who rides trains gathered like 15 railroad spikes for me and brought them home. And you can find them. You don't ever, and it would also be really, really hard to do. You never want to pull a railroad spike out of a track because you can endanger people's lives that way. Yeah, definitely do not do that. Just go to a rail yard and wander around and you will find leftover railroad spikes. So what you do with them, and I love the way that you activate them. This like totally turns on my whole Aries vibe and everything is one, they're iron. And two, to activate a railroad spike for protection for the home, you want to pour Florida water over it and set it on fire and get it activated that way. And then to protect your home, you want to take the railroad spike to each, a railroad spike for each corner of your home. So four corners of your property. If you have like a four cornered property, or if you had like an odd number, you could like create some sort of diagram that fits that your property. Mm-hmm. And then you nail you nail it into the ground and you pee on it. And there you go. Your home is protected, not just from like intrusion, but it also like gives you home security. Mm-hmm. And like make sure you're they're grounded and rooted in your home space. 
Absolutely. Because, yeah, because not only is iron super protective, it scares away, um, you know, things like ghosts and um, a lot of kind of mischievous elemental things that might be causing you problems. Um, Iron is super, super protective, but also at the same time, nailing down your property is so important because not only are you creating a boundary and saying, this is mine, I have nailed it down. This is something that I own. Also, anyone who is then going to try and uproot you or, um, or, you know, lift your foundations or anything like that, it's going to be so much harder for them because railroad spikes are meant to withstand freight trains, literal freight trains. So if you can nail down your property, your space, then it's going to hold up so much better to magical attack and things like that. They may try and uproot you or kind of, you know, throw you out. Or, you know, if your people are going to try and hotfoot you, anything like that, you know, having these spikes in place are really going to help you hold your ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful magic and something that's fairly accessible and easy to do. So, yeah, with the peeing on it part, that's where you would go pee in a jar and sprinkle a bit of your urine because you're also just marking your territory. Yeah, I, I tell people thing. to do that a lot, too. If they're like if they have like property disputes or things like that, and like pee on it, pee all yeah. over it. Um, and also, too, like people who are doing um, kind of like businessy things or protection things, too, will then like pee in the wash that they like wash their stoop with. Um, mm-hmm. out front of the home because then that's very much kind of um, claiming your space too like this is my area no one else has you know sway over it but then we can also use things like horseshoes for the same idea you know uh, they're iron you know they have a lot of that energy in them especially horseshoes that have been used uh, you know they have the horse energy you know horse power is so intense that mm-hmm. kind of having that energy put into the horseshoe something that's already iron is, is really nice. So I like to put those above uh, above my doorways, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horseshoes are really magical and wonderful to have. They also bring in luck. So not mm-hmm. only are they protecting your space, they're making sure your space is bringing in the luck. Absolutely. There's all kinds of folk charms. A book that I really like to use for this is, of course, um, Christopher Penzak has a book called The Witch's Shield, which is really nice. Um, and then there's another one. I'll have to look it up here real quick. Do you, do you have a favorite protection magic book? Oh, yes, by Jason Miller, Protection and Reversal Magic. Yes, yes. yes. that one is an excellent one. Jason Miller knows his stuff. Yes, okay, so there's this one that I found on Amazon that I actually really love. It's, I've never heard of this person before, and I believe that you can only get this book in Kindle format. Oh, it's in paperback now, which is good. Um, their name is Alf, Althea Sebastiani, and the book is called By Rust of Nail and Prick of Thorn, The Theory and Practice of Effective Home Warding. Um, it's really good. I have not heard of other books by this person, but I did stumble across this once. And I did order it, and it's amazing. They did a great job with it. So again, it's by Rust of Nail and Prick of Thorn. I'm going to have to check that out. I have never heard of that book, because it's something that I've been doing this winter is really making my home more cozy and more safe feeling to be in, like a place that I really, really want to be in. So with that comes doing magic, setting wards and whatnot. So it's something I've been brushing up on. So that's, that sounds like a great book. Ooh, and one last thing, too, because this one is short. A friend of mine from the Instagrams, Andy Starkweather, gave me this one, too, for preventing um, kind of spiritual or psychic intruders in the home, where he combines uh, witch grass and graveyard dirt and puts it in the windowsills to kind of defend against and kind of... Because witchcraft, uh, witch grass is very... Uh, potent for banishing and sending things away. Um, so kind of mixing it with graveyard dirt and then he puts it in the windowsills. Um, it's pretty awesome. So that's, that's, that's one from your friendly neighborhood, Starkweather. It's one that I like to use. Too. So before we say goodbye to our listeners, hoping we've inspired you to get to some home protection magic. Jay, do you want to share a spell, like one of your favorite home protection spells? So I like to work with chalk a lot when it comes to 
home protection. Um, because chalk is something that it's simple, it's, you know, it's temporary, so it's not something that you have to really, really commit to if you want to change it up. Um, but I will take chalk to doorways, windowsills, things like that, um, and I will bless it. Sometimes I use blessed chalk from the church. Otherwise, I'll use like a red chalk or, or I'll bless it myself, and I go around and I mark um, protective symbols on things. And we need to remember that, you know, when we do witchcraft, it, it, the power and the drive kind of behind the work really comes from us. So even something as simple as chalk, you know, drawing a line with chalk and really meaning it has so much power in it and creates that boundary um, between, you know, this is my space and this is your space. Um, so really, if, and it's something, again, something that, you know, a lot of us have on hand, something that's easy for us to find, get a stick of chalk and draw a line and mean it. Um, can really have a profound effect. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be exciting. Uh, but that is something that I do like to work with. And it's something that's easy and very adaptable to whatever your path is. You know, I use a lot of crosses. You may not like crosses. You may want to do pentagrams, whatever. Um, that's all fine. But the practice and the idea is still the same. Right. That's beautiful. And I've always been curious, and I was really hoping to talk with you about that, is your chalk use. Because I see that in the photos that you share and whatnot, the little crosses and whatnot that you do with chalk. I've always been really curious as to the use and reasons for doing that. One thing I would like to share before we part ways is a, it's not a spell, um, but it could be used in part of spell work, is a quick little blend of salt, rue, and olive oil. Don't use a lot of olive oil, just use a few drops because olive oil helps bless. Give that a good mix. You can even add something like fiery wall of protection or like a home blessing or home protection type oil to it. And you don't want it to be sopping wet. You just want it to be, you want it to be dry. And then you can use that in the corners of your home. I always just toss a pinch in the corners of my home. I sprinkle a little bit in my windowsills. And around my front door and then onto my stoop. And that creates a really great home protection blend. I love that. That's wonderful. Yes, yes, that makes total sense. So this, so again, it can be very simple, but simple does not mean that it's not powerful. If I really need to get something done, I scale the difficulty back to very simple. Like if, if there's something I really need, I will light a tea light instead of like a big fancy novena. Like, you know, you really need to kind of put your faith in the work itself, as opposed to the complexity of the work or anything like that. Really kind of lean into that because it can be very important. Yes. And trust the process. Trust it. All righty, everyone. I think that concludes our episode for today. Hope that you are inspired to clean that house up and get it protected. And remember... Do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.